Right. I'm going to put my boots on. My walking boots. Oh, this is. <laughs> that was very fast, Rosie. <laughs> we hadn't been for a walk for a couple of days. Because it was so grim yesterday. Pouring with rain. And there's still a bit of snow on the ground today. You up for a frosty walk? What do you think, stupid? I added one more podcast to the giant podcast bin. Now you have plucked that podcast out and started listening. I took my microphone and found some human folk. Then I recorded all the noises while we spoke. My name is Adam Buxton, I'm a man I want you to enjoy this, that's the plan Woo! Out in the fields now On a beautiful day, the sun is shining very brightly The sky is very blue Some scattered cloud over there on the horizon Everything's looking very vivid and intense I'd say the resolution out here is probably 4K or even higher. But it's cold. Whoa, it's still very bitey. And there's still frost on the ground and the remnants of a bit of snow that fell earlier in the week. Coming up to a big puddle. Oh, it's still frozen. Nice. All right, celebrity impression. Who am I? Balls. (laughs) I just trod right in it. I'm Yoko Ono. A little music joke there for you. Okay, let me tell you about podcast number 61, which features a very enjoyable ramble with British comedian and actor Romish Ranganathan. Here's some Rom facts for you. Romish was raised in Crawley, West Sussex. He is of Sri Lankan Tamil descent. He is a vegan. He was raised a Hindu. He supports the Arsenal football gang. Before going professional as a comedian in 2012, Romesh was a maths teacher. He is now married to Lisa, with whom he has three children. There you go, some Rom facts for you. As you'll hear, I met Romesh a few years back now, um, when he was just starting out in comedy, and uh, I enjoyed meeting him very much, and always like bumping into him and I've been trying to get him on the podcast for quite a while but he's a hard guy to pin down if he's not doing stand-up he's on a tv panel show or he's filming his bbc program asian provocateur in which he explored his roots and goofed around in sri lanka for series one and then he hung out with members of his extended family who had settled in the u.s uh, and did more goofing around for series two And he does a podcast called Hip Hop Saved My Life, which uh, is fun whether or not you like hip hop. I recommend the Frankie Boyle episode. Uh, I've been a guest on Hip Hop Saved My Life. We actually had to record that one down the line because we were in different countries at the time. And I suppose we could have used Skype or something similar to record an episode of this podcast. But I always prefer to do these in person whenever I can. It's always more fun. In the end, it took my recent trip to Los Angeles to get some Ramesh room time. He's been out in L.A. for a few months now, 
And as I speak, his stand-up show at the Greek Theatre is just a few days away on December the 21st, 2017. So why would a British stand-up, virtually unknown in the US, book himself a gig at a uh, a legendary Los Angeles venue that holds nearly 6,000 people? Ramesh explains in our conversation. We also talked more generally about life in LA, including drive throughs chilies and doobies, and we had a surprisingly chucklesome discussion about the issue of race and diversity in entertainment. Uh, well, comedy particularly, I suppose, with reference to an episode of Aziz Ansari's multi-award-winning show, Master of None. I'm sure a lot of you are already familiar with uh, that programme and like it a lot. I only came to it recently, in fact... While I was in L.A., I watched my first episodes of Master of None, only two years late to the party, and I really liked it. I also talked with Ramesh about the delicate business of working with slash exploiting members of your family for entertainment purposes, something we've both done in our lives. And at the very end, you'll be glad to hear, we did some freestyle rapping, which I personally, although I was not great at it, enjoyed very much. Our conversation took place in the tiny Airbnb room that I was renting in LA's Franklin Village district and after having done the Bug Bowie special the night before and feeling a little bit frazzled and just generally a bit homesick it was really such a treat to see Ramesh and hang out for a while and just laugh quite a lot. So I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Here we go! here in LA then? I'm basically trying to just do comedy out here and basically I'm making a doc I say I'm making a documentary I'm the subject of the documentary uh-huh. of them following me while I'm over here and I've booked a show at the Greek theatre and then this show is sort of following me trying to sell it. How many people you get in the Greek then? 5,900. Fuck. And I am on 145. <laughs> I think that's what it was. It was what it was the last time I checked. Is the point of the documentary to sort of... Are they hoping that you're going to fail? Or? I don't think they're hoping for anything. I think they're just sort <laughs> just of... Just see what happens. Just see what happens. So if something happened that triggered 5,700 and however many people buying the remaining tickets... Yeah. They would st- that would still be fine. Obviously, it'd be, fi- it'd be great for me. Yeah. I think they just want to see what happens. Is it the same people that you do Asian Provocateur with? It's American production company, but the director is the same guy, Ben Green. Oh, okay. What's the schedule like then? How do they work out what they're going to film and what they don't? They just sort of decide if what I'm doing is interesting, I guess. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? So, um, I can't believe they're not filming this. I, mean, this I know, I know. I did, say, I did tell them I was doing this, and they said, <laughs> no, we're not going to roll on that. I don't know. 
I don't know why. <laughs> but yeah, so there is loads of stuff that isn't. So, for example, they've not come to any of my gigs or anything like that. I mean, they did. First week I was here, I was trying to get a stage time. And they covered a little bit of that. But, like, I'm gigging constantly, but they're just like, who the hell wants to see somebody going to a gig? How many gigs are you doing a week, then? Not that many, really. I mean, like, since I've been here, I've been here since what? You just said you were gigging constantly. Now it's gone down to not that many. <laughs> well, not as many as I'd like. I've been doing, like, maybe one or two a week. Right, OK. But I'd like to... I don't know what you're like, but I like to gig all the time. Like, when I'm in the UK, I try and gig, like three or four times a week if I can. It's so different for me because I'm, I'm, I've got all my technical stuff that I Right, 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 yeah. So it's not practical. There are only certain venues that I can do. Yeah. But you're out here with your family. Yes, Lisa and the kids are here. Yeah, so that's an extra level of complication. Yeah, yeah it's very complicated because my mum's out here as well. Right. Um, my uncle's over here just visiting, but we're all living in the same house. So do they film that stuff as well? Sometimes, yeah. I've not seen my wife and my mum being this close quarters for this extended amount of time ever in my life. So uh-huh. it's been interesting. Yeah. Like my, my mum has got very definite opinions on how to bring up children. Uh-huh. So she likes to express... Yeah, she likes to tell Lisa where she thinks she might be going wrong. Do you know what I mean? Or she likes to tell Lisa when the kids are hungry. That's one of her favourite things. Yeah. I think he's hungry. He's scratching... D- darling, I, I don't want to... I think he might be hungry. He's scratching his head. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, sort of... But um, they seem to be getting on. Um, so it's been fun. I, I sort of... I don't know what I think of LA, really. I, it's nice. It's also spread out and just sort of... Do you drive? I rented a car, but I rented like a Suburban. Have you seen this? It's massive. It's much bigger than any car I'd seen. I just said to them, I need a family car. I've got three kids. And they gave me this thing. And like second day, I crashed it into a McDonald's drive through Like, I don't... I can't get my head round... The size of the car seat. It was mad. It's like this McDonald's on like Sunset Boulevard. And so you sort of go in and I pulled up alongside this, the, the woman working there. She took the order. And then as I pulled away, I just heard this bang and this sort of screech of metal. And then I reversed and then went forward and did it again. Exa- almost exactly the same noise <laughs> and vibration on the vehicle. But the thing that sort of shocked me the most is I looked to the woman working there and she had no, there was no reaction. And I think it's because that just must happen to every single customer she sees that goes all through. the time. Yeah. What was the damage like? Like the the, the passenger side wing is all uh, like dented and crushed, and it's got like McDonald's red down it. I haven't. Um, <laughs> I haven't. Um, McDonald's red. I haven't told the rental company. I'm just going to deal with that when I return it. Yeah. But I really freaked out. Like I was like, because it's a rental car, second day of having it, and I've smeared it against this McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. I was in a really bad way. Yeah. And it, so much so that like we'd ordered the kids like chicken nugget meals and Lisa had ordered a drink and I just said, we haven't got time to get a drink, I just need to get out of here and just sort of <laughs> abandon the order halfway through because I just didn't want to be anywhere near the McDonald's. <laughs> I mean, like, this is horrible sort of thing where, like, you calm down where you sort of realise what's going on. But Lisa was still... Lisa's, Lisa knows how to deal... Like, I'm a nightmare in those situations. So she's calming down and talking to me like I'm a child. And then there's a moment, a really horrible minute or so, where you've calmed down and sort of become rational, and she's still talking to you like you're... The, and, and you sort of go, oh, God, this is how you have to talk to me because I'm, I'm such a, a prick. I'm a big baby man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what else about LA? How else... Well, what stuff do you enjoy, first of all, so we don't just, like, shit on L.A.? Yeah, that's true. Well, I like the fact that there are 
Well, I'm vegan. Mm. I'm, whenever I say that, I feel like there's somebody going, I thought he'd mention it. But LA's great for vegans. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, like the rest, there's loads of vegan restaurants and there's loads of vegan stuff in the supermarkets. Yeah. And there is like, I never thought I'd see this, but there is a vegan cheese store. I mean, I haven't been there yet, but there's like a shop exclusively selling vegan cheeses. I don't know how it stays open, but it exists. I, I've not been there, but I like knowing it's there. Have you tried vegan cheese before? No, I don't like cheese. Well, you'll like vegan cheese then, because it tastes <laughs> nothing like it. I mean, it's, I, I think most of it is made of cashews. Oh, yeah. Right, so they sort of mush it up and treat it and ferment it and stuff like that. What's your favourite uh, vegan meal at the moment? Um, What's I... the one that you look forward to <laughs> if it's party night? My mum does a great uh, aubergine curry. Mm-hmm which is delightful. Mm. And then she'll watch me eat it and tell me how I shouldn't eat too much of it. Okay. She'll just, so she'll just sit there hovering while I eat it and say, you should just moderation. <laughs> so you can't, I, you, it does taste nice, but you can't fully enjoy the meal. Do you know what I mean? Um, I also, in my pre-vegan days, I have this, these like yogurt soaked chilies. Have you tried these no. before? So there's yogurt soaked chilies and then they deep fry them. I can't have them now, obviously, because they're not vegan. But one in every six was so hot that you'd have to declare yourself out of the meal. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? <laughs> so it was sort of like roulette with these... It was... I used to love that game. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> when am I going to have to put my plate down and just leave for a bit? Do you drink booze? I do, yeah. Yeah, okay. So you can wash that down with some beer or whatever. Yes, yeah. I remember when I first started doing stand-up, I wasn't vegan then, but um, we, there was a gig a mate of mine got at a chilli festival in Brighton. And for some reason, they, were, they had decided to put comedy on while that was going on. Yeah. What's your tolerance like for hot food? Um, medium. Right. So I did this gig, um, and it went as well as you can expect to a bunch of people that didn't come for comedy. They came to buy some, like, <laughs> jalapeno cheese or whatever. Anyway, we... It's not jalapeno, is it? Jala, jalapeno. That's it, right. Jalapeno. So, um, anyway, so my friend said to me, after I'd done the gig and died on my ass, he said... There is a spare open spot in the chili eating competition, right? Do you want to do it? So I said, yeah, right, I'll give it a go. I'll be honest with you, I was a little bit cocky. I thought Sri Lankan upbringing, there's a bunch of white guys. Yeah. I think this is going to be all right. So I was sort of sat there and they brought out the first chili and I ate it and it was fine. Yeah. Second one, ate it fine. And at this point, I was thinking this is going to be great. I can't, this is so good. And then it got to the chocolate habanero. Oh. I remember it. And... The guy next to me went, this is the first actual proper chilli. And I thought, oh no. I thought I'd been doing really well, but these are just entry-level chilies. So they put it on my table and I bit into it. And I have never in my life experienced heat like it. It felt like, do you know in Back to the Future where they have the fire trail after the... Del- That's what it felt like was happening in my system. Like it just, from my mouth right the way down to my stomach, I just felt fire. Like, and so I immediately drunk the milk. And then I turned to my left and there was a guy on all fours just heaving. <laughs> like, it was absolute, And, like, he wasn't the only one. There was, like, a few of those people. And I just thought, why didn't I look around before I... Like, it was... It was like people, like, looked like... It genuinely looked like they were dying. Yeah. Um, anyway, downed milk, down milk, down milk, all the way home, down milk, down milk, down milk. And then, I mean, I'm not going to go into details, but the next three days were a write-off. <laughs> And the thing was, like my, like my wife had, had come to this, come with me to the thing, 
watched me. First of all, she didn't think I should be doing a gig at a chili festival. So <laughs> she seen me do that. And then the whole time I was on the way back, I was going, I'm dying. I think I'm dying. I think I'm dying. This is horrible. She's going, I don't know. I don't know what you expect me to say. Like, <laughs> you took part in a chili eating competition. Like, how can you have expected any other result? You're aiming for this. <laughs> anyway. Can you die from eating too much I think you probably chili. can. I think you probably could. But yeah, I do enjoy it. It's addictive. I do find it really addictive. Not uh-huh. that, not eating chilies, but spicy food. Right. Yeah, I really find it addictive. I, I mean, my, my brother is, is much worse than me. And he, the other thing is, he's, there's something macho about not admitting you're finding something hot. Mm-hmm. I remember we got takeaway and he said, I'm going to get a foul, right? This is like, it's not that long ago, like a few years ago. And I said to him, well, you know, that's like insanely hot. And he said, yeah, I know, but it's not, it's not like Sri Lankans, isn't it? <laughs> and we're not Sri Lankans. Uh, but anyway, so we, he ordered the food and he starts eating it and it's just sweat pouring off of him. Yeah. And I said, to, I, all, I said to him, it's hot, isn't it? It's really hot. He goes, no, no, it's fine. So I, don't, I won't think any less of you if you just admit it's hot. <laughs> he, he finished it. I don't know why. He finished it. And then he said, I'm just going to, I'll be back in a minute. And he just sort of, Went and paced up and down the back garden like, for ages, and then comes back in. He goes, oh, "I just wanted a bit of a walk." I said, "It's hot." You just admit that you didn't realise the file was going to be as hot as it is. And he's like, "No, it's fine. It's fine. It's all right, mate." I, t- I just don't understand that. And are you are you a dope guy, a, a weed smoker? Yes, man? I have. Been. Well, I'm not massively, but the fact that you can get these pens, like yeah. these vape pens, it's. I mean, it's. I think it's wonderful. I mean, everywhere you go in LA, you can smell strong uh, weed. Yeah. Because it's legal here. If you've got a card, all you have to do is go into one of the many shops that there are around, which look like Apple stores. Yeah. um, Except that they stink of weed. It's about to change, isn't it, where you don't need the card anymore. Oh, really? Yeah, so you can just go in and get it. Then isn't society just going to come apart? I think so. I think for a while... It'll be very relaxed. Because it's already spread very thin, the fabric of society. Yes. It's already threadbare. <laughs> well, I think, there's, I, I, do, I think there's one thing about it being legal and another thing about it just doing it in appropriate places. Like, we went out as a family to, like, Cheesecake Factory. Uh-huh. And there's some guys just sat by the door of that. And I just thought, well, that doesn't seem right. Do you know what I mean? We're about to go... <laughs> my kids are about to go and eat lasagna. They shouldn't, like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I just don't... There's something I don't know. I can't get my head around it being okay. Do you know what I mean? It feel, to me, it feels sordid. It, like, yeah, you know, because, because you grow up hiding in parks or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Or yeah. And so now, all of a sudden, you can do it wherever. It's weird. I still can't get used to it. That's right. It's as if they discovered that pornography was actually good for you and excellent for everybody who's involved in it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It would just completely change. I know. And then you'd have to go, oh, I think I'm being a bit of a prude. No, I think, <laughs> I think it's fine for that guy to be getting double teamed there just by, just by the Burger King. I, just, I don't know. I just, I'm just, I caught me old-fashioned. It still shocks me a little bit. <laughs> Hello, my friend. It's good to see you again. I've got to say you're looking great I love what you've done with your nipples and your knees And your shiny bald pate Hey, so one of the first times I met you In fact, maybe the first time was, can you remember? Was it Sweden? Stockholm 
Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it was you, me, and Pat Cahill. Yes. And we had been selected by some... How did we get selected I for that? I don't know. I mean, they must have been all fired about <laughs> a, w- a week later. <laughs> because it was these, these Swedish promoter guys. It must have been the very last thing they ever promoted. <laughs> that was... I mean, we didn't say it at the time. But well, that was a failure, wasn't it? <laughs> it was called the best of the fest, this thing, right? When was it, like 2013 or something? Yeah, I think it was, yeah. But... <laughs> and, um, yeah, I'd done my show Colonel Panic or something uh, in Edinburgh that year. And, you know, it had been a, a solid three-star run. Yeah. But for some reason, I got the call, along with you and Pat. My they agent. had seen you, me and Pat and thought, of all of the fests, yeah. <laughs> this is the best. These are the three. That represent- we have seen all the fest. This is my Swedish accent. Now that's not, that's Dutch, isn't it? What's Swedish? Yeah. We have seen all the fest. This yeah. is offensive to the Swedes and I'm sorry, it's racist. This bit didn't go over, did it, at the gig? No. <laughs> this is exactly the kind of stuff that they selected me for, though. They love it. Oh, I love the bit where he does the Swedish accent. It's so funny. We need to get him for best of the fest. So they saw my great, great accents and thought, yes, this is the best, the best of the fest, along with Romesh Ranganathan and Pat Cahill. We have to book them on a tour, not just a flying visit, but a tour of yeah, Sweden. Yeah. I just thought, yeah, why not? If they're stupid enough to get me out there, I'll go. <laughs> Fine. So out we go, you, me and Pat. And it was sort of fun, wasn't it? And we went out and they put us up in kind of a nice hotel. The hotel was nice. I remember I wasn't that solvent at the time. And I remember sort of thinking, well, I bought a packet of crisps or something from the hotel room. And that was like eight quid. Yeah. (laughs) And I I remember Pat Cahill didn't know the exchange rate. Uh I went to meet him in the bar at one point. He was tucking into dinner. I says, I don't even know if I can afford dinner. And he goes, well, it's not anything. And I go, yeah, but that's about 30 quid. (laughs) And then I just saw him sort of. The colour sort of leave his face as he realised how much he was paying for stuff. <laughs> yeah, because um, it, it was actually quite a fancy hotel. So I was thinking, God, this is this is pretty legit. This tour, this is, we really are. We are the best of the fest here. Yeah, the other I remember being misled as well because like the venue was really nice, wasn't yeah. it? And it's uh, this beautiful oh big god, theater. it's so nice. It looks like kind of uh, you know Friday night at the London Palladium or something. Yeah. It's like the Queen sat there. You could imagine. And so we go along the night of the show, first show, and we're going into this beautiful theatre, and he shows us round, and it's like, whoa, this place is big. Yeah. I hope they're going to fill it, you know. I I remember sort of walking around going, God, I am, maybe my profile is higher than I thought it was. (laughs) This is great. So we go in and we look around. He leads us up to the bar area then. Do you remember? We go up to the (laughs) bar area on the second floor or something. It's like, oh, this is pretty cool. And then he leads us down um, this little corridor that's running off the bar area. And that's the venue. I know. And it had two rows of seats going down (laughs) in in two lines. So there must have been, in total, about 40 seats. Yeah. Just lined either side of this corridor space. I think it actually was a corridor, but it might have been just a long thing. No, I think it was a corridor. But I I remember, because I didn't, that was the first time we met, and I, I knew Pat a little bit. Yeah. But I didn't have the guts to say to you two, you guys know that this has gone badly wrong, right? Like, like <laughs> this is, was this, because I thought, because the thing is, it's very difficult to say, oh, I thought we we're playing the big room. Yeah. You can't say that yeah. to two straight, oh, did you? 
Mr. Billy Big Balls. You thought we were playing the massive thing. So I was just sort of sat there going, oh, cool, this is, yeah. this must be what it I is. I was thinking exactly the same. <laughs> I was thinking, I don't want to be a prick. And anyway, you know, I'm, I'm glad for whatever I can get. And I, 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 okay, fair enough. You know, it's a foreign country and I don't play big rooms in the UK anyway. So, all right, corridor it is. I mean, it is much, much smaller than anywhere I would play. But uh, yeah, it, okay, it's a different country. So uh, let's not be a prick about it. And then we do our sound check and everything. One of the things that stayed with me from that sound check yeah. is you had a song that play during your sound check. Yes. I remember it really made me <laughs> smile because I said to you, this is a really funny song. And then I said to you, oh, are you going to do that in the set tonight? And you went, no, it's just for the sound check. You just made this song just for the sound I check. I think I have it. Let's see. <laughs> yeah, I have it to test the speakers at a, at a venue. And it's just so I can test whether the left and the right speakers are working. Is it this one? And it's got a picture, it's got like a test card and then the face man, Dirk Benedict, popping up. (laughs) How long did it take you to make that song? Not very long. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) I've got to do a new one actually because it does drive people nuts, especially because I do, I use it at regular shows. Right, right. Anyway, so we, we go there, we do our sound check. And it's got, you know, it's like a tiny little stage at the end of this corridor. And then people start trickling in. They didn't fill it, but it was nearly, it was nearly there. Yeah. I remember, like, I just had one 20-minute set that I could do at any venue. Yeah. You know, because I was doing the clubs at that time. But, like, now, if that happened, I'd think, oh, maybe I should do this stuff or that stuff. But then I was just like, I mean, this is a gear. Like, yeah, there's nothing else. Fly here? Take it or leave it. <laughs> this is the show, guys. Yeah, I can do it. 20 minutes or I can do it shorter (laughs) but that's the end of the options (laughs) it's always worrying though when like that you go is it alright that um, I don't speak any Swedish they go no it's fine it's fine and then the compare doesn't use any English at all and it's like is this like a big stitch up or whatever yeah and then uh, long story short they cancelled the rest of the tour yes they did we heard the next day that uh, there had been no uptake for tickets elsewhere in Sweden it's a problem isn't it because Let's be absolutely honest. Yeah. None of us had the greatest time, like in terms of gigs. Yeah. So you're sort of thinking, well, this has been a failure. But it's just the rejection, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? There's that, you sort of think, well, maybe we've done enough to get to Malmo, but yeah. we hadn't. No. It's sad, isn't it? It is sad. I had a, a horrible experience where I was sort of temporarily racist yeah. recently, where I was, I was waiting for Lisa and the kids to arrive at LAX, and they were longer than I thought they were going to be. And the flight ahead of them 
was a Chinese flight. Uh-huh. So I stood waiting, and then every time like a Chinese person would come out as they were like getting off the flight, I'd be a little bit disappointed and annoyed that it wasn't Lisa and the kids. Yeah. And just that kept happening, just Chinese people coming out, and I was going, oh, fuck, it's not Lisa and the kids. And then eventually Lisa and the kids arrived, and then went off, and then like maybe an hour later I saw a Chinese person and felt that same kind of <laughs> that same disappointment annoyance. and annoyance and I thought oh god I've trained myself to dislike these people Pavlovian racism <laughs> wow you talk I mean you talk about race in your sets right yes do you talk about it a lot I used to talk about it more than I do but I don't really have a rule about it if I think of a funny thing to say about it then I will do but and is it generally based on experiences that you've had or is it just observations that you've made about... A bit of both, really. I mean, the truth of it is, I, you know, it's not like I'm getting racial abuse every day. But if, if something occurs to me or I see something and I think it's interesting, then I'll mention it or I'll refer to it. But I think it's very difficult for ethnic minority comedians... Not very difficult. The problem you have is, is that as soon as you talk about it, people then accuse you of talking about it all the time. And I remember doing an episode of, of Mock the Week and Hugh Dennis made a joke about... He, said, he made a joke about Islam or like the, some, some sort of ISIS joke. And then it sort of went a bit funny in the room. And I said, oh, the reason is, is because I'm sat next to you, I look like a Muslim. And I didn't laugh, so people are nervous. And then I said, tell the joke again and I'll laugh. It's just a little stupid thing. And I laughed. And then that became a runner. Like Every time anybody did a thing, I would laugh and... That all made the edit, and then it looked like pretty much everything I'd said on that show and done on that show was to do with race. Uh-huh. And then when it went out, just like one-dimensional at Ramesh Ranga once again. I timed how long it took at Ramesh Ranga to mention race. It was one minute, 37 seconds, a new record for him. So you just like, I mean, that's just an example, but you do get that a lot, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I used yeah. to get it more than I do now, but it's a difficult one. I think you should talk about whatever you want to. Yeah. And I'd like to say that people sort of saying that doesn't affect me at all, but it does make me think, if I do, something does occur to me that's race-orientated, I will think to myself, is this really original enough or interesting enough to justify... Right, do I have an original take on Exactly, this? Yeah. exactly, yeah. Have you watched um, Master of None? As yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I only just got round to watching it. It's yeah. amazingly yeah. good. Yeah, it's really good. And, and it looks incredible as well. yeah. Yeah. It's like the perfect show. Yeah. It's so instantly likable, but it but it deals with a lot of interesting stuff. And about four episodes into the first season he does an episode called I think Indians on TV. Yeah. And so it's an exploration of various uh, expectations that people have of Indian performers and he points out one of the running jokes is something that actually never occurred to me is that the actor in Short Circuit or Short Circuit 2, maybe, yeah. who's playing an Indian character, is a white bloke. Yeah. And they browned him up. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. never realised that. Yeah. Ne- it never registered. And of course it is. It's the guy, it's, what's his name, Fisher, someone yeah, other, who um, used to go out with, who was unfaithful to... Oh, I'm going to have to Google it. Yeah, but what do you Google? Cheat at Short Circuit 2? I'm, I'm going Short Circuit 2, browned IMDB. I'm not going browned up actors. Fisher Stevens. Right. Fisher Stevens, there he is. But Fisher Stevens used to go out with <laughs> which famous actor I'm putting? Come on, that should be the first thing that comes up. No one remembers Fisher Stevens. No disrespect, Fisher. <laughs> um, but he was, un- who was he? He was unfaithful to someone. Oh, Michelle Pfeiffer. 
Was I? Yes. I mean, this is pretty reductive stuff. You really shouldn't reduce people to who they've been out with and how they're. Well, I think if you've went. browned up, you deserve to be reductive. <laughs> he and the other thing is, it wasn't just browned up. I mean, he properly bud bud ding ding his way through that <laughs> through that performance. Number Johnny Five, do you remember it? Yeah, it was I do. full on, man. But that was one of the charming things about <laughs> it for me. <laughs> That's the bit I liked. There's a there's a, a documentary coming out called yeah. The Problem with Our Poo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I was like, oh no, I'm going to go off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can't have any fun. <laughs> and, of, <laughs> and of course, you think about it for like 30 seconds, you realise it's fucking offensive. <laughs> And you, if you did that with a black character, no one would stand for it. But it's a totally different category for Indians. It's yeah. really weird. And I don't think it is anymore. And I think now that people are so much more sensitive about all sorts of things, people do realise, like, oh, well, there's no difference, you know. Well, actually, it's, it's weird, though, because I do think in America... That's the other thing, is that race seems to matter. It really does. It's weird because, on the one hand, especially in somewhere like L.A., big city... It's very diverse, you know? yeah. Much more so than a lot of British cities. I had, um, I mean, like I gigged, I did a gig, and the host. Oh, this is an incredible experience I had actually. Not yeah. incredible. I, again, I've totally overstated that. Uh-huh. Interesting. Where I was doing this gig, it's like one of my. I think it might be my first gig over here or something. And the compere said to me, "What's your name?" I told him, and he said, "I can't say that." <laughs> and I said, "Okay." <laughs> right, it's just too much to remember. Yeah. And then he said, I'm just going to say Ramesh. And I said, okay, fine. Yeah. And so I go up and do my set. And then afterwards, I come off and he comments on the fact, because I've got this Richard Pryor tattoo on my arm. Oh, yeah. And he commented on it. He goes, it's a bit weird him having a Richard Pryor tattoo. I'm thinking about getting me a tattoo of Gandhi. Like as if I can only get tattoos of people that are the same ethnic origin as me. Okay. Then he then went on to start ripping it out of me for thinking that I was as famous as Prince and only using one name when it was his refusal to say my second name that was the whole reason for was it. Was he a black guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was crazy. And not, like a few weeks later, I think I must have just been on... Not, this isn't... I mean, this is a very different Nate style of thing, but still, like, left me gobsmacked. I was sat with one of the guys from the production company for dinner. Like, he was there with his kids, and I was there with uh, Lisa and my kids. We sat there having dinner, and this uh, American, older American lady walks past, and she walks up to us, and she says, I've been watching you guys all evening. And she goes, this is what America's about. You sitting with you and eating together and there's no issue and your children are playing together. And she goes, I was watching you and you're laughing at each other and you're just getting on. And she goes, this is what America's about. Right. Okay. And I was like, OK, cool. Right. And then he left and Lisa goes, isn't that nice? I said, are you joking? <laughs> like, that is... We, we weren't making a political statement. We're just trying the orange chicken or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's a kind of Daily Mail mentality of just patting yourself on the back for not going out and just beating someone up because they're different. Because yeah. I could have killed you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> Hi, you know, m- me and my husband were sat over there and we didn't even think about coming over and hurting you or calling the police or anything. We didn't even think about it. 
My husband thought about it, but he didn't do anything. And that's what America's about. It's about not, sometimes not hurting people when you think that they're foreign. And that's why this country's great. Yeah, that was... Sorry, that, that is now racist of me to put that on the, the average nice American. But, yeah, but she uh, did sound like that. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that mental? Yeah. That's the thing is people's sensitivities are, are, you know, in some ways it's a good thing that people are thinking about it, I suppose, and recalibrating. Well, that's what Lisa said to me because she said to me, listen, I get it, it's yeah. clumsy. She goes, but that is progress of a sort. That do, you know, is, do, do you know what I mean? Exactly. She's, that is better than the alternative. Yes, exactly. So, and I did take her point on that. But for yeah. me, I was just like, I just, you know, my argument was it was a weird thing to sort of comment on. But, you know, what she said was like, yes, but for that lady, she's, like, she's probably walked out there feeling like she's had an epiphany or something. Yeah, do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like she feels like she's had this magical moment. She's That's a to story. Bed. That's right. I mean? Like, yeah. So I sort of thought maybe I was being a bit harsh, but... Um, it was weird. But yeah, I do think things are improving, definitely. Yeah, gradually. And then I think a lot of people feel that... I mean, do you ever feel that you're sort of being part of some game, some box-ticking game that is being played by executives? Uh, I don't feel like that, but I, I've had experiences where... Like, I was doing a gig and the promoter said to me, oh, God, you, you, you'll never believe this. I, was, I nearly put you on in the same section as Paul Sinner. Uh -huh. And like, and I was like, okay, but Paul Sinner and I are not, you know, yeah. we're nothing alike. Do you know what I mean? Like, nobody would say that we do the, the same type of stand-up or whatever. And you do, I had been earlier on in my career, like, pitched ideas to try and increase diversity. And so I'd be appearing on something as part of a multicultural cast to push, an not an agenda, but to try and increase diversity on television. And I'm all in favor of that. Mm. But I always used to think to myself, I, I'm not trying to be the best Asian comedian I can be. I'm trying to be the best comedian I can be. And I want to get on these things on the back of merit rather than anything else. But that's not to say that maybe somebody somewhere in some room said, oh, let's put Ramesh on because yeah. that'll take a... And if they did, they were probably doing it with the best exactly, intentions. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and, and, and I still think that even if it does come down to tokenism, you know, sometimes that's going to have a long-term beneficial effect. And I don't know. I mean, it, you know, what's the alternative? Is it... If, if that is going on, is it any worse than the reverse, which is just... I know, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, because the thing is, the truth is, you know, people say oh, it should be a meritocracy, and it is in most... But that's most such a load of bullshit I know. anyway, I... as if it's a meritocracy. <laughs> it, but there's so many things going on. I know, because we, we can all name people that are uh, amazingly talented that don't get on stuff, or, yeah. for whatever reason, right? Adam Buxton. Yes, exactly, Amazing. right? And people say it should be a meritocracy or whatever, but the fact of the matter is... The system, the system, but the, the way that people have been booked up, up to, the, to, to a point has not been representative enough. So you need to do something about that. Yeah. And something is being done about that. And that's great. So that is a positive thing. Is it, it's not perfect. It's not ideal. But like, it is the best that you can do. You know, you're try, at least something is being done. Like you can't continue going the way that it was going before. So you have to do something. So I'm sort of, I'm in favour of it. But what I would say is, you know, it's not just on screen like I don't think there are enough people of colour like in production and just like behind the, you know putting shows together and stuff like that and it's going to take a long time 
for that to sort of even itself out. Yeah, you know? but it will, I think. Yeah, I, I really think it do. will. I, so you do, I think you just have to accept that in the short term, the, solu- the, the, the things that are being put in place will not take the problem away immediately. Right. And but we're, might, head, we're headed in the right direction. Do yeah, you know what I mean? and they might look a bit clunky. but Yes, exactly. Yeah. Right, we sorted that out. God, do you know what? Adam Buxton and Ramesh Ranganathan <laughs> tackle quite a difficult topic yeah. to the ground and kick its head in. Good. We're halfway through the podcast. I think it's going really great. The conversation's flowing like it would between a geezer and his mate. All right, mate. Hello, geezer. I'm pleased to see you. Ooh, there's so much chemistry. It's like a science lab of talking. I'm interested in what you said. Thank you. There's fun chat and there's deep chat. It's like Chris Evans is meeting Stephen Hawking. So how do you respond if a friend of yours gives you a, a beautiful gift? It's been made for you personally. There's yeah. a, a huge amount of thought has gone into it, but it's not absolutely your thing, right? right. You, you, you probably aren't going to use it. But so like that, if, if it was like a, a scented soap that was made in my image, which is, which, <laughs> something like that, which is very beautiful and nice, but yeah, someone gives I'm you not that, a fan. Yeah. what are you going to say? Like, you're a normal person. What yeah. do you say? Th- thank you so much. It's lovely. Yeah. Exactly. Well, what happened? Online, you wouldn't know. <laughs> online, if you were doing it like people do online, you would sort of say, oh, what are you, sponsored by some scented soap <laughs> company? Is that why you got me this? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. I hate these things. Please don't do that again. Very disappointing. <laughs> I liked your previous gift quite a lot, but this one was a massive letdown. <laughs> That's what they'd fucking say. <laughs> you know, I do this podcast. I'm going to let it all out. Go on. This podcast, right? I do it, yes, of course. On the one hand, it is to further my own agenda of world domination and of self-glorification. Course, yeah. And uh, I have sponsors and it's all great. So, yes, I do benefit from it. But primarily, I do it because I like it and it's a free gift for the world. Mm. Uh, because, you know, I love these listeners. And so I am gifting them this podcast and I am uh, wrapping it in beautiful jingle paper. And there you go. I love you. Here, have a gift. That's what this podcast is. And most people accept the gift it, yeah. with a, lo- a great deal of grace. And uh, they're very sweet. And sometimes they'll get in touch and say that they like it and what it means to them and stuff. And I really appreciate it. Every now and again, if it's not to their taste, they say, hey, thanks so much for the free gift. But... Just to let you know, that thing you said there, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, exactly right. If you were to give me another free gift, which I'd be very grateful for, perhaps you could uh, bear that in mind. You know, so they say it very nicely, no problem. But then every now and again, you'll get someone who's just like, what is this? I don't like this. This isn't what I want. I like the other one. That was good. But now you give me this and it's shit. I fucking hate it. Someone said the Do other day... Do they tweet you? They tweet me, yeah. And they go... Um, like I did an episode the other day, I won't say who it was with, but it was someone I really like and I thought it was a fun episode and we were just chatting away and we were drinking tea, uh, only for like five minutes towards the beginning of the episode. And someone tweets and goes, I had to stop listening to that episode after about 10 minutes because I couldn't stand the disgusting sound of you eating grim. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just think if you've got a complaint, I don't want to hear it. One guy, I was walking to a gig past a pub, 
and a guy said, Ron Schwang and Nathan? I said, yeah. And he said, I've got to tell you, mate, drunk history. I went, yeah. And he goes, you ruined it. <laughs> he goes, hell. you were just so aggressive. He goes, I just couldn't watch it. He goes, I had to tell you. And I said to him, I would make a strong and compelling argument <laughs> that you didn't. But thanks anyway. It was just crazy, man. Like people, they feel like they have to. It's not, and I think it's a combination of things. It's podcast yeah. and comedy uh-huh. are the worst things to do in terms of people having a go at you about mm-hmm. stuff. Because if people see a drama and they don't think the drama's very good, they go, "Oh, that drama wasn't. It didn't. It wasn't really for me." Mm. I switched it off. If they see a comedy they don't like. This is a, a fucking abomination. Yeah. Everybody that's involved in it, I hope they die and I hope their families die and, and I hope they never make another programme again, which obviously would not happen if you're all dead. But it's crazy. Like The, the angry reaction is insane. It is weird, isn't it? What could it be? I mean, it's some, I guess it's because when something is funny, it's so amazing and it's so wonderful that when it doesn't work, your disappointment levels are huge and maybe it's it seems like hubris on the part of the performer that you don't like that they've set themselves up to be I think people sort of think that comedians go around thinking that they're funny uh, yeah and it's like I'm funny hey by the way I'm brilliant uh, so you should like me and uh, I'm, I'm fantastic so you should worship at my altar but no one's thinking that I mean no. there's one or two but everyone <laughs> thinks they're wankers <laughs> <laughs> most comedians are going around just sort of hoping they can get away with it yeah and, uh, basically that, everybody I know is deeply deeply insecure yeah I had a thing where, like, I, w- I went out with some... Because I've got f- a group of friends in Crawley that I sort of grew up with but don't often go out with because of whatever, jobs and growing up and stuff. Yeah. So every now and again I go out with them. The last time I was out with them, we're just in a pub having a few drinks and these, like, guys came up, slightly younger guys, and were sort of like, oh, you're Romish Rang and Nathan, like, could we get photos and stuff like that? And I said, yeah. And then they did the same thing, like, chatted for a while. Then they said, could we join you for the evening? <laughs> like, it was, do you mind if we joined you for the night? For the night, and um, I was like in a really because I sort of, I, I I can't be firm. Like, not I just don't want to be rude to anybody. Yeah, do you know exactly. What I mean? Of course. So like, I just sort of went well. Because in my head, I'm thinking, what can I do here? I either just go, guys, that's no, we're strangers. Yeah. Um, or I say yes, that's fine because I'm trying to be polite, and then yeah. I have to say to my friends, these guys are joining us yeah. for the night. <laughs> <laughs> so I just sort of tried to joke my way out of it. I said, "Do you not think that's a bit is weird, isn't it?" <laughs> like, which, and eventually they sort of said, "Oh, we were just messing about," but I don't think they were. I think they yeah. were like, "Yeah, fully up for it." Because it. it's it's an unwinnable game. Because from their point of view, you're just waiting for the moment they're going to turn around and think and say, "Oh, you think you're so fucking great, don't you?" <laughs> Because, oh, you've been on TV, so you're so fucking great. We're not allowed to talk to the great Ramesh Rangan Nathan. It's like, excuse me yeah. for fucking existing. Yeah. You know. Too good to join you and your drink with your friends you haven't seen for ages. What a prick. <laughs> it's hard, though. You don't, don't, know, you don't know if that could happen. Do you no. know what I mean? Like, one night, I remember sort of being, at, like, walking sort of drunkenly past a kebab shop with a couple of friends, and somebody said, this honestly how the conversation went. Somebody went, oi... Romesh, my mate says you're not very funny. And then I said, uh, I said, well, I don't think he's very funny. And he goes, what are you getting all that for? What are you getting all that for? I said, I said, mate, I've literally just said back to you what you said to me. I said, how have I escalated this situation? It's mad. 
It's so funny, man. It is weird. Maybe the impulse, part of the impulse for not wanting to just say, no, leave us alone, yeah. is that it is quite nice to meet random people a lot of the time, you know. It's like, this is a weird connection that you've created by putting yourself out into the world and people feel that they know you somehow. And a lot of the time it is, it's cool, you know, you end up having quite nice conversations with people that you would never otherwise chat to. Yeah. But yeah. then it's such a strange balance and it can be quite easily uh, skewed. The other thing I find interesting, and I don't know if you have this problem, is that because I talk about my personal life so much on stage and, mm. you know, everything is true, you know, you're sort of talking about your family and I'm talking about all these things, people know stuff about you. And then they'll, like, I'll be out at a farm park or something and then they'll go, is this the one that gives you trouble? Like, point at one of the kids and they oh, God, this is horrendous. I mean, I, I, mean, I have had the thing where like, I sort of think, do I say, do I talk about everybody too much on stage? Like I've, I've, I've upset um, people in the past by being sort of so open about stuff because they haven't signed up to be talked about on stage. Do you Have know what I mean? you? Now that's interesting. That's a question I often ask people right. and people very seldom no, ad- I have done. admit what you just admitted. <laughs> they usually go, oh no, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I have done. And um, like, in, in what sort of way? How did it play out? There's a couple of times, but the 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 one that sort of sticks out is my brother like runs a comedy night in Crawley every now and again if I've got some new stuff I just ask him if I can drop in and and um and I go there fairly regularly mm-hmm. so one night I said to him he had a, he had his first child him and his wife and a few weeks later they had a gig and I said I've got some new stuff can I come down and try it and what I talked about was the fact that his baby had to, they had to use forceps to pull the baby out and his head was really like funky shaped, but they hadn't told me before I'd arrived. And so I sort of had to conceal my shock at like how pointy his head was. <laughs> and so I remember thinking sort of, the, what's the etiquette in this sort of situation? So when I went down there, I talked about this on stage. I didn't have a routine. I just sort of literally had thought this is a funny thing to discuss. And so that makes it worse because you haven't got it delicately balanced in the way that, you know, you keep trying stuff and eventually it you arrives at a place. Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't that. It was raw and I was just talking about it. And you're pushing and you're looking for the laughs or whatever. And after I finished, it went fine. You know, I got like the, what I needed from the gig. Um, and then I walked off and then my brother's wife's sister just came up to me and said, I can't believe you would talk about that on stage like in that way like that's your nephew or whatever like she was she was sort of half joking but was she was sort of making a point it was the first time you do think about it a lot I guess like how much do you divulge of your life on stage but like it did make I, did, I mean I did feel really really bad about it but but I did carry on doing the routine because I spoke to I, <laughs> well, I, spoke, I, I spoke to my brother about it he goes no oh, no it's fine I don't really care so often you'll get I don't know I'll get people do something like a builder will come round and like be doing something and then something will go wrong and he'll go but that'll be in the the next thing so and I don't want to be that guy I don't want to be that guy that people are worried about that my friends and family are nervous about about saying anything in front of me because it's going to get plundered for my next stand-up set but there's a chance it will do you know what I mean (laughs) just so you know yeah but like and I remember like another thing I was doing I was doing the last leg and I got asked a question about kids and I said, I lo- you know, I'm, I'm a very proud parent and I love my children, but I don't really care about other people's children. You know, you can't, I haven't got that bit where I think all children are wonderful. Do you know what I mean? I just have the bit that I'm programmed to think mine are. I said, I don't really care about other people's kids. Like when people start talking about what their kids are, I couldn't care less. And you have to be mindful of that, that people don't care about your kids either. 
<laughs> and I said that, and then a f- like maybe a week later, we're at like a birthday party. My son was at a birthday party, and we were stood there sort of watching. And then these parents came up, started talking to Alicia, and then they said to me, we would tell you what we've been up to, Romesh, but um, obviously you don't care, do you? So we won't bother. <laughs> it was really like sort of... That's amazing. I've always wondered about that, if that happens. Yeah, so it has happened a couple of times. Not loads, but a few times, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I guess I mention my wife now and again. What does she think about you talking about? Well, she very seldom watches or listens to things I do. But occasionally, it'll get back to her. It'll filter back to her via her friends or something, or she'll stumble upon it. And she uses it as leverage for the next argument. (laughs) So it's like... um, Oh, you know, it suits, whenever it suits you to get a few cheap laughs out of me, that's absolutely fine, and I'm not allowed to say anything, which is sort of like, yeah, okay, okay, that is technically true. But I don't think they're cheap. I think they're um, expensive laughs, solid gold laughs, and it's also, I'm creating a character. It's not an accurate representation yes. of who she really is or what our relationship is really like. Yeah. You know, I, I, I want to protect her to a certain degree, and I want to... I am mindful of not completely taking them for granted and feeling that, that I can do what I want with them. Yes. I own them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, <laughs> of course, I don't. But I certainly did feel quite free with using my children in videos when they were younger. Right. I wouldn't do it now, I don't think, because they're sort of older and they're more self-aware. Right. And there's more of a chance that they would... Uh, see it or their friends would see it and it would be a bit weird but you know when they were toddlers yes yeah i just thought yeah why not who cares you know it's fine and they're sweet they're going to change unrecognizably within a few months yeah anyway, you know no one's it's never going to be a problem i don't think there was one video i had of my son dancing around naked when he was about he must have been about three i suppose and uh, it was a video uh, that i used to show at live shows still do sometimes <laughs> it always makes me very happy because he just looks so joyful it was a sunny day and uh, we had this thing called a crazy daisy that you plug into a hose and it whips around yeah it's like a big it looks like a big daisy right hence the name and <laughs> it whips around sending sprays of water everywhere and i was filming him and it was all backlit so it looked beautiful it looked like a commercial and it's this little guy jumping around and i put to outer space by the prodigy over it right and it works really well it, it, it's like a, a nice little music video and he's dancing in this crazy way and then i was asked to go and open a hall at his school <laughs> and so i thought god what am i going to do so i brought along that video and um <laughs> he he was a bit older at that point he must have been about eight or nine at the yeah but he must have been about eight i reckon seven or eight so all his mates were there, and I showed the... I asked him, first of all. Before? Yeah, I thought I'd better ask. Okay. So I was like, hey, is it, do you reckon, would you be okay if I played that video of you dancing around with it? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I showed it. It went down a storm, and all the children were really laughing. And then for a few weeks after that, he was, he was known as Naked Boy. He said, oh, everyone calls me Naked Boy. And I was like, yeah, are you okay with that? And he's like, yeah, yeah, it's fine, I don't mind. But then every now and again now... And I still usually check with him like before, right. before I'm going to show it at a gig. I'm like, hey, man. So you check every time you're going to use it? Pretty much. Right. Yeah, if I think I'm going to use it, I'll usually mention it. But now he's got to the stage where if he's pissed off with me, he'll say, no, 
no, <laughs> don't play that. I'm like, really? Are you usually fine with it? I'm like, what's the problem? Are you going to get embarrassed? He's like, what do you think? It's me <laughs> dancing around naked in the garden. I'm like, yeah, okay, okay. How does it work on Asian Provocateur? Presumably, it looks like a kind of confection of real moments and then some moments that are sort of semi put together and. Uh, yeah, well, for, for Asian Provocateur, we sort of, you know, with the first series, they went away, the production team with my mum, and went and discussed what sort of things she would like me to do and, you know, what sort of things she thought were cultural touch points in Sri Lanka and also where we had relatives in Sri Lanka because obviously that was, you know, we, that sort of informed the series and then we go into those scenes and then it's up to them whether I know what's going to happen or not. What about some of the uh, irritation with your mum that you do sometimes? Um, How does that work? Is that genuinely what your relationship is like? Or? Pretty much, yeah. I think it is, but what? But it isn't all the time. Yeah. So what it is, is is she is like that with me. She's very blunt with me and we bicker like that, but we're very close. My mum and I are very close, but that's just how our relationship is, is that we're just very upfront and blunt and she's, you know, sort of, honest about what she thinks uh -huh, okay. um, but there are times when she is uh, she's not having a go at me she's being very sweet and supportive but that's not as entertaining I mean like she does gen you know the thing about her having a go at me about my weight is true I mean the thing about her being annoyed with me that I don't know enough about my culture is true that all of the stuff where she complains about me not being in touch enough all of that is true she, she finds me a very frustrating son she'll say to me you know I just don't think you're a very She'll say it in like, I love you, but you're not a very dutiful, attentive son. And my brother is very good at keeping in touch with my mum and he's very, he's very good at chatting with her and he doesn't look at his phone when she comes around to his house and stuff like that. <laughs> so there's all these things that I do that sort of wind my mum up. Yeah. But she won't sit there and like let it fester. She'll just go straight away. Well, come here and you're just looking at the phone all the bloody time. Like she'll just say, straight away say, and then it's forgotten. You know, she's not... She doesn't continue that annoyance. That's wow. just how she is. That's... Oh, I wish I had that relationship. <laughs> that is the opposite of all my relationships. <laughs> Everything. I'm Uncle Fester. <laughs> Everything has to get pushed down and then comes out at a later date. Yeah, in, I'm a bit like, I am a bit like that. It's I'm... awful. I hate it. I wish I could be more relaxed. But... Um, part of the reason that I got my dad involved with our TV show back in the day, Bad Dad, I mean, the, the, the spur for it really was... You really were the first, weren't you? Am I right in saying To this? exploit their parents yes. for comedy on TV. I don't know. Someone must have done it before. I don't they? think so. I think... Because there was an article I saw about... Because like quite a few comics are sort of doing bits and pieces with parents or whatever. It seems like an obvious thing. Cause yeah. Because it's, uh, it's that generational um, juxtaposition is always interesting. Yeah, and I'm sure you were cited as... The originator. Uh-huh. Well, you know, like many of the things that we did on our show, it was one of Louis's ideas, Louis Theroux. He used to come round and, and hang out at my house where we lived in Clapham, he and Joe, and especially around Christmas time, and uh, we'd have a few drinks, and my dad would always kind of show off to Louis because Louis's part of this literary royalty. Yeah. And my dad was a writer, so everything would be directed at Louis, and he thought that me and Joe were just silly people so he wouldn't really worry too much about us yeah 
and it was always really funny and we'd just make, try and make Louis laugh and be stupid and Louis said you know you should get your dad in the show and the original idea was um, get him to review gangster rap right 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 and that would be it it would just be like him listening to gangster rap so we did it with just any old single in the end and then it evolved into us going on missions going out to Ibiza going yeah. to music festivals and things like that and some of the time it was good but a lot of the time I found it very stressful because it was such a different relationship you know our real relationship was really quite formal right uh, I was most of the time pretty respectful to him he's quite a serious old school conservative person so we didn't have that much in common yeah and suddenly we were in a situation where we're squashed together from my point of view i i want him to be funny about it yes from his point of view he doesn't want to be made to look a fool yeah yeah. but that's exactly what we're trying to do (laughs) (laughs) so every now and again it would be it would be really difficult luckily i had joe who was the buffer so Joe would kind of direct my dad, so right. I wouldn't have to do it too much myself. But then there were times that I would have to step in and say, come on, Dad, you know, help us out. Yeah. Go and touch that bloke's oiled up, <laughs> naked ass. Well, the, the problem that we have with Mum is that she... It's not a problem, I mean, she's great, but she is always trying to do what she thinks is the right thing. So she'd always try and say what she thinks... Either I or the or Ben, the director, want. Okay. And yeah. what we want is for her to just be herself, you know, yeah, because yeah. often what she thinks is the funniest possible reaction to the to the situation. So, so for example, we did a thing the other day where, like, Mum and I went to um, a cookery class. This is a spoiler alert. And she was just chatting to blokes there and stuff like that. And as we came out. I just said to her, what did you think of that? She goes, yeah, it was nice. I had a nice time. It was lovely. So I was like, okay, I mean, none of that's making the edit. So I then got home that night and I said, it was fun tonight, wasn't it? And then she just went into this tirade of how, like, this guy was annoying her. I was shit in the social situation. I just, every time I look at your bloody miserable fit, like, just started, like, she was sort of being, she was sort of playing to the crowd a bit. But she was like telling her real thoughts. So I said, why the hell didn't you say this when the cameras are on? I said, when the cameras are on, you said, oh, really nice, darling, thank you. And um, I just didn't get, but she was like, I didn't, th- I didn't want to, sh- I didn't want to sort of say what you'd sorted out for me was, was rubbish. She goes, because I didn't want to upset you and, you know, you've gone to trouble and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she goes, but this is what I really thought of it. And I said, you just got, from now on, you just have to say what you really think of it because that's what we're after. Do you know what I mean? It's hard, but also my mum is incredibly random. Like, so like, I remember the, the first, the very first time we started filming with her, a similar thing to you is that I thought, like, mum's funny, let's get her on camera. But she just won't follow any direction. And it's not like she's directed particularly, it's just like, tell Ramesh about this. There's one point where she goes, um, you've got to visit here, you've got to visit Dilla, you've got to visit Bradiglo, you've got to visit Gandhi, you've got to visit... She just listed all these things. <laughs> and then somebody else, one of her friends that was in the scene, was talking while she was talking. So they stopped, and then Ben said, that thing you just did, Shanti, where you were, like, just listing the places that Ramesh needs to go, I just didn't want to get that clean. Like, so can we do that? Can you do that again? Try and say that the way... Because she didn't... She wasn't asked to do that. She just was, like... She just did it. So he goes, can you just do that again? And, and she goes, what do you want me to do, darling? And, and he's going like, you know, this one you were going, you want to go there, you want to go here. Da, da. And she goes, okay, yeah, fine, fine, fine. This is like day one of filming or whatever. Yeah. 
So Ben's like, okay, right, sets all the cameras up. And then he goes, right, go, go, Shanti, whenever you're ready. And then she just goes, she looks at me and she goes, Romy, there is this children's charity that, and just starts going on about that for about 50, like, honestly, it felt like 15 minutes, half an hour, like she's just going on and on. And Ben, at that stage, didn't really know her. So he just sat there, I was watching his face getting redder and redder. Yeah. And so it was just rolling all this random thing. But she just does that all the time, do you know what I mean? It's yeah. just like, she just won't follow any instructions or whatever. But that's part of what's sort of so good about her, I guess. It's so tricky, isn't it? Because most people are taught to respect their parents. Yes, right. And when you're in that TV, when you're trying to wring entertainment out of them, <laughs> All that has to kind of go out the window. I know, it's horrible. And, like, and also, the other thing is you're nervous. Well, I, you know, you're not nervous because you know you're sort of making the show or you're in the show and you, sort of, you know what's involved. But watching your family members in those situations, I, I do find it quite difficult because I get nervous for them. And do they watch the show? Do you watch it go out? Do they like it? My mum, uh, all my family watch it. My wife is yet to watch any of it. So she doesn't, she doesn't know, like she doesn't, she just, I just, she sort of said, why would I watch you? Like you're here. <laughs> so, which is fair enough. But all my family, my mum, <laughs> like she works at Royal Mail and she's like a celeb, like obviously it's like for her there, she loves it. I mean, they're all like, oh, when are you going to do another one? And like, because the, the, the other thing is the reason that sort of ex, that exacerbated it well, she didn't tell anybody. She just told them she's going on a trip to Sri Lanka or she was, she was taking some days off. Uh-huh. She didn't tell them why. Yeah. And then all of a sudden this show came out and she was in it. So it's this big surprise element. But um, she lo- my mum loves it. She loves a celebrity lot. I mean, she would be... If she got any more famous, she'd be unbearable. I'm fully... <laughs> I fully believe that because she properly likes it. You know, if anybody says, can I have a photo? She's like, of course, darling. She'll pay with everything by card so that they see the surname because yes that is my sound yes 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 yeah she's properly she's properly into it is that real melody everything's in my phone charger what? What? i left it right there what? did you see it what? have you got it what? Where's my phone charger? The battery is about to die. It was on the table. Round and round in their heads go the chord progressions, the empty lyrics, and the impoverished fragments of tune. And boom goes the brain box at the start of every bar. At the start of every bar. Brain box. You used to be a freestyle rapper. Oh my god. Called yeah. Ranga. Yeah. And uh, you once reached the finals of the UK freestyle rapping competition. That's quite impressive. How long were you doing that? Uh, I was doing it for a, a couple of years, maybe longer. No, a few years. Me and some friends ran a pirate radio station from uni. Yeah. And we used to like freestyle rap on there. 
and then I carried on doing it after uni and and then I met up with some other like this DJ and we used to do mixtapes in Horsham and put them out and then this competition came up you have to send a little tape of you rapping and if you make it through like if they like your tape they invite you to this freestyle rap competition thing so I got invited and you just it's like eight mile what was your preferred BPM for freestyle oh, rapping? God knows. Are you about to make me do it? Yeah. Are you going to do it? Sure. Okay. We'll have a go. All right, let's give it a go. I uh, don't mind. Hang on, let's see if we can... Is that a good sort of... I guess so, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? Are you feeling it? I think so. Does it need to be less busy than that? I can take some of the... Oh, yeah, maybe. This is the thing they have in modern rap today, does isn't it, Ramesh? Yes, that's all the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I was in a shoe shop today and they had that. Every single track off this album was just... It was literally just like this. But also the vocals now. I don't know if you've heard this, but there's all sort of like... We're breathing. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's the, the, the kind of mumblecore thing going yes, on as well, yeah. isn't well, it? Well, they'll sort of get a phrase that they like. Little Yachty. Yeah, Little Yachty, where they say something like, sitting in a chair, I ain't scared. Sitting in a chair, I ain't scared. I ain't scared. Sitting in... Like, they just like pick a phrase and just, and just repeat it, it over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I've got a list of topics here. First topic, the internet. Okay, fine. You go first. No. Oh, I have to go first. Yes, you go first. (laughs) This is going to be awful. Well, sometimes when I don't know what's going on, I like to log on to the internet. Yeah. I go to Google search and type my query in and then look at what I get. Yeah, interesting facts about things that I'm interested in Coming up in front of my eyes on the Google search Answers coming at me, it's satisfying It's one of the perks of the internet <laughs> When is it your turn? Um, I use the internet and I mainly look on Twitter I try to get on Snapchat but to be honest that's a bit shitter I look up a lot because I'm trying to find information and also the broadcast times on my provocateur show, Asian. My name is Ramesh and I'm talking about the net and this rap is about as good as it's gonna get. I'll be honest, I'm not feeling the tempo and I'm a little bit offbeat and the internet rap isn't really on topic so I've gone off peak. Should we do a different uh, yeah, beat? Cool. Let's see if I can find just a sort of real old school one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this might work. Do you want it faster? Or no, that's a good tempo. It's fine, yeah. Yeah, all right. Okay. Hang What's on. the topic? Topic is holidays. Go on, go you go. Uh, okay. My idea of a nice break is sometimes going to centre parks. That's where you have all the best family larks. Yes, it is expensive. Yes, it's kind of lame sometimes, but it is fantastic when the family are together in a heart made of wood that is in like a wood. And you're driving around on bicycles and that is very good because it's good for you. Why have I done this voice? I don't know. That's not cool, is it? Um... <laughs> yes, yes. MC Ra- <laughs> 
And last year, mans went to Sri Lanka. I couldn't speak the language and they treated me like a wanker. Yes. You understand, I chill out upon the beach and upon the shore. And if I don't ramp up on the drink because it's not pure, I like the curry, don't eat it in a hurry. The toilets are no good, you'll be shitting and it'll be blurry. Cause your vision will be going because of the way that you is shitting. And you understand it's holidays is what about I be spitting. I be the ranger. I choose many vacation spots. Last year I went to center parts for Christmas like my man over here got. But the truth is it was a little bit overpriced. And my wife said it wasn't nice enough for that time of year. <laughs> <laughs> That was good, man. Well, let's do one more. All right. Here's some topics. See if any of these jump out at you. Fizzy drinks, fruit, <laughs> chocolate, nature, animals. We can do animals. All right, let's do animals. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love animals. I really love them. My favorite one is Rosie. She's a dog. I go on walks with Rosie all the time And when I don't, it makes me sad Like a log that's been chopped from a tree And is lying on the ground Looking lonely with nothing to be found All around the log Cause the log has not fallen on the dog And now the dog is dead underneath the log And it's a kind of tragedy It's not the way I wanted this rap to go at all matter if it rhymes or not I don't know I know I'm feeling sad so I'll stop yes and man's like me we love a cat you understand with people that like cats think the people that dogs are twats I love a cat because a proper nice feline I look at many cats and I say I wish they'd be mine my favorite type of cat is the one that's not scabby I like the black cats but my favorite one is tabby I feed them kitty cat or sometimes hit them with the whiskers you I can't think enough of the rhymes of whiskers but I frisk a cat on the regular that means frequently I like to hang out with cats and hang out with them decently what i'm saying i don't don't touch them inappropriately i treat a cat with respect i don't grab on the pussy <laughs> hey thanks man no worries about thanks for having me oh mate anytime wait this is an advert for Squarespace. Every time I visit your website, I see success. Yes, success. The way that you look at the world makes the world want to say yes. It looks very professional. I love browsing your videos and pics, and I don't want to stop. And I'd like to access your members area. And spend in your shop. These are the kinds of comments people will say about your website if you build it with Squarespace. Just visit squarespace.com slash Buxton for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, because you will want to launch, use the offer code Buxton to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So put the smile of success on your face with Squarespace. Yes. 
continue. Hey, welcome back, listeners. Hope you enjoyed that. Thanks so much to Ramesh Ranganathan for his time out there. Oh, it was really nice seeing him. I believe <laughs> there are still tickets available for his show at the Greek Theatre if you're able to go along. I'm looking forward to seeing him again after the whole episode is over and finding out how it went. Um, there's lots of people I want to catch up with, actually. Ian Lee. I hope that Ian Lee will come back on the podcast at some point and tell me all about life in the jungle. I'll probably talk to Joe about that next week in the, uh, in the Christmas podcast. Oh, man, it's cold. Tell you what I need. A chilli pepper, right? I typed in the query, can chilli peppers kill you? And that took me to a BBC News website. And I quote, Oh, Rosie's terrorising pheasants. Apologies to the pheasant community. Anyway, chilies, can they kill you? I quote, Hours or days or so of very serious discomfort aside, there don't seem to be long-term dangers per se in eating very hot peppers. Biologists have observed, however, that administering capsaicin, the active component of chilli peppers, over long periods of time in young mammals does result in the death of the pain neurons. Setting the neurons off repeatedly wears them out and they don't grow back. I mean, I know pain neurons are useful, but on the other hand, they're not fun. So aren't they just saying that your tolerance to the effects of chilies is increased? Now, listen, I'm not a scientist or a doctor, so I'm not going to go into that any further. Oh, fly past from the hairy bullet. It's a nice day for just running around very fast. Hey, listeners, here's a podcast recommendation for you. Now, full disclosure, I haven't actually heard this one yet, but I really like the people involved, so I intend to listen to it when I am next able. Capital is the name of the podcast. It's a new comedy podcast about a referendum to bring back capital punishment. It's devised and improvised by its cast, which includes Adam Drake, Charlotte Ritchie, Harry Enfield, Jon Snow, Liam Williams, and Matilda Winneck, along with Freddie Cyborn and Ben Rouse. It's very funny, says comedy writer Sam Bain. I'm reading out a little spiel that Liam Williams sent me. And iTunes user Colin Moore says, why aren't there more podcasts like this? That's coming from Colin Moore, so that's, that's a pretty good endorsement there. The first three episodes are available now on iTunes, SoundCloud and Stitcher, and the rest of the series will be released throughout December. Just search Capital to start listening. It sounds good. I'm going to, and I recommend you do too. Liam Williams is amazingly funny and I really hope I'm going to get him on this podcast at some point Um, but yeah check out Capital another exciting news on the last episode of the podcast I mentioned the fact that there is a new podcast with me and Garth talking about his career making legendary music videos and other bits and pieces available as a bit of bonus audio on the Adam Buxton app 
the free Adam Buxton app. Why haven't you downloaded it yet? It's free and fun, but some parts of the app are not free or fun. No, they are. They're all fun. So the bonus audio with Garth, the bonus podcast, is currently behind a paywall of 99 pence. And a few people have said how much they enjoyed the episode, but were having some problems on their devices scrolling through the episode or finding that if they didn't listen to it all in one go, they weren't able to resume where they left off. And that is obviously frustrating. It's actually different for me on the device that I'm using. I'm able to click on a little tab which brings up a... uh, I'm just navigating to it right now. Bonus audio. Garth Jennings. I had to pay 99p myself to listen to it, but I thought it was worth it. Yeah, and then on that it says bonus audio 2 and there's a little red arrow in a circle and if you click that it brings up for me anyway a play bar and i'm able to scroll along and all the shots are as they would be for a real episode of the price is right and then it takes me to a different part of the episode it's not super smooth but it does work so they were receiving their playback at exactly the same time as everyone else so, yeah, it's not perfect. It's teething problems, and I, th- I appreciate that for some people, depending on what version of bits of software they're using, they may not even be able to access that rudimentary play bar. Uh, apologies if you have encountered any frustrating playback issues. The majority of people I don't think have and have been enjoying that uh, bonus episode with Garth hugely. In fact, I think most of them have considered it the highlight of 2017 so far. And it's just what they, they've said to me. But anyway, uh, for the rest of you, please rest assured that uh, really quite something who designed the app are on the case and uh, working to improve it in the future. What else? Putting up our Christmas decorations today at Castle Buckley's. The thing is that I really love fairy lights. So we have fairy lights up most of the year anyway. And it actually makes Christmas preparations a little bit easier. I just put a few extra strings of fairy lights up. Maybe the little red cherry lights. I like those. Um, So it doesn't take too long. And tomorrow... I'm going to London to record the Christmas podcast with Joe. Now, I was supposed to do it last weekend, but I got halfway there and had to turn back because the weather was so severe. Um, And it was a bit dangerous on the roads and the trains were screwed up. And anyway, this was the next available opportunity. So I'm looking forward to doing that. And that episode should be up as long as there aren't any other uh, unforeseen problems on Christmas Day. So do check that out. We'll be reading out some of the messages that you kindly sent in. And we will be exchanging gifts and cultural highlights from the year and the usual Christmassy nonsense from myself and Jay Corn. And after that episode, it's break time for Buckles. There'll be the odd podcast episode coming out in the first few months of 2018 but uh, won't be back for regular weekly episodes for a few months after Christmas. 
Anyway, still got Christmas Day to come, so I look forward to that. Until then... Oh, I nearly forgot. I forgot last week. That's no good to say thank you very much to Seamus Murphy Mitchell for his invaluable production support and to Matt Lamont for conversation editing. Much appreciated both. Take good care. I love you. Bye!